back 50 years ago, I was too concerned about doing. And, uh, you know, we're human beings, not human doings. That's a that's a funny expression. But 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 it's true. I, you know, just too too concerned about doing this, doing that instead of being present, being in the moment and uh, being yourself. Welcome to the Drew Perlman Show. Think of this podcast as the antidote to the fear, the noise, and the talking heads in the news. The show features an entertaining blend of ancient wisdom, empowering ideas, and cutting-edge, healthy living science to optimize your health and your life. Let's dive in and get started. Today's guest is Dr. Jerry Lynch. Jerry has worked with teams, coaches, and athletes in the NFL, NBA, MLS, men's and women's basketball, lacrosse, and soccer at many of the top universities across the country. He is the author of 14 books on coaching, leadership, spirituality of sport, and peak performance. He is also the founder and director of Way of Champions, a human growth and performance consulting group to help others master the mental and spiritual game in sports. Welcome to the show, Jerry. Thank you very much, Drew, and uh, I'm so happy and honored to be here with you. It is an honor being with you too, Jerry. So let's start with this. I found that so much of the fear in life comes from just overthinking things and spending way too much time up in our heads. But the heart seems to offer us a way out. I'd love to hear about the power of the heart in your work. Yeah, you know, uh, Drew, that, what, what a penetrating question to start off this <laughs> conversation with. And uh, I'm not surprised. Uh, you're, you're, you're quite a student of, uh, of the heart. And uh, it, it, it's very good for me to hear that question because it brings me back to where I need to be as well. You know, it's a tough time, uh, quite honestly. Uh, you know, out here in California, we're suffering uh, a lot. A lot of people are suffering with the fires and the air quality and during this COVID crisis. Uh, but, you know, I'll tell you, uh, honestly, uh, it's not just a COVID crisis, uh, a, a physical crisis, Drew. It's, to me, it's a spiritual crisis going on. And uh, the spiritual crisis is, uh, there's a void. Uh, we tend to panic and uh, our heads start to race. You know, uh, you start getting all these thoughts. What if, you know, and oh my God, what if I get sick? What if I die? What if my parents die? What if, what if, what if, what if we don't start school? What if we never play another basketball game? And all of this stuff that's coming from our head and our thoughts. And of course, as you well know, with all the work, nice work you've done, uh, our thinking is really uh, uh, the, the, the cause and the genesis of so much of our pain. And and, and so fear, you know, what, I, what I'm encouraging my my colleagues and, and, and my network and my teaching with my webinars, it's been a wonderful opportunity is, and there's the key word there is, yes, there's a lot of fear, but also there's a lot of opportunity. You know, in Chinese, uh, the word for uh, uh, crisis means two things simultaneously. It means uh, watch out, you know, danger. Uh, and that's cool. And, and, and I get that. And, and let's watch out and let's be cautious. But it also means opportunity. And loosely translated, it means opportunity blowing 
on a dangerous wind. Now, so what I encouraging you and others and myself and family and my friends to do is consider going from our heads, which is fear, fear based stuff, and try to come from our heart. And and the heart is is a different perspective. It's all about perspective. And and the heart, instead of dealing, working, talking about fear, talks about faith. So I encourage people and I say to them this mantra, I say, have faith, not fear. Faith that things will get better. They always do. You know, the Buddhists were really uh, one of the first philosophies to uh, to really dive into uh, uh, the idea of impermanence. Right. So nothing lasts forever. There's only one. There's only one one constant, Drew, and I'm here to tell you, and that is change. Well, have faith, have a perspective that this too will change. And when it does, we'll be better off for it because we will have had the opportunity to learn so much from this crisis. And you're seeing it every day. I mean, I was watching the convention last night and uh, man, I've never seen such a great convention. And it's all because of the virus. Everyone's socially isolated, but it's more effective, more efficient. They're getting more done. You're getting to see more people throughout the country. So I want to encourage the listeners. uh, Let's start thinking about faith, not fear. Let's start worrying. Stop worrying and have more hope. Believe. Believe in us. Believe in who we are as a nation, as a people, human beings. You know, there's hope. Things will change, and uh, it's just not going to be like this forever. Right. Absolutely, Jerry. I, and I know one of the things you talk a lot about, I know, in your work is this notion of a heart set versus a headset. I mean, we hear, or a mindset. Yeah. We, we talk a lot about the mindset, but I know when you're dealing with athletes or, or just people in general, teachers, parents, you talk a lot about the heart set. How do we find our way, do you think, back to that heart set? The heart set is is very specific. It let, Let's take a competitive athlete uh, or let's say a competitive business person uh, competing, being defined as, and this is real different for the listener, for many of us, uh, competition is not against somebody, it's with somebody. So the Latin word for competition is compatiere, and compatiere means to seek together. So let's get back into that idea of, of seeking together. That's more of a heart space than a head space. The head space is about fear. I'm afraid I'm going to lose. I've got to win. I've got to beat this person. I've got to get the contract. I've got to get the job. You know, and 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 I got to get that house. You know, I, it's 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 all about getting and the fear of not having, and and that causes a lot of a lot of pain. But when we come from faith, which is our heart, it's how can we seek together? How can how can I be together with uh, my competitor uh, as a partner and to find a higher level? And 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 to to your point, uh, that higher level being the heart. What does that really mean? You know, like like, come on. I mean, you can't see it, right? But you can feel it. You you, you can't you can't like identify it, but you know it. And, and and so it seems like it's obscure, but I'm, I'm going to help define that in, in this way. Uh, it's about courage. Courage in French, 
uh, is core. Uh, I'm, I'm studying Spanish now, and it's corazón, right? Mm. Uh, core, corazón, courage, courage, and 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 it means courage. You know, it means heart. Corazón is heart, and 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 so when when I train others, whether you're an athlete or not, and I'm sure you have people out there who don't consider themselves athletes, although I think everybody's athletic. I believe that we can learn how to have more courage and how we can perform with courage. And one of the ways that I, I practically help people is this. When you lose or you have a setback or you make a mistake, guess what? You're learning. You're learning from that. Failure is our biggest teacher. So if you want to have courage, if you're thinking about fear, being fearful about losing, you're not going to go forward. But if I tell you and teach you and you get it, that even if you fail, you're victorious because you're learning from everything that the setbacks were teaching you. You asked me before we began here about my next book coming out. Well, I'll tell you, my next book is no different than the other 13 that preceded it. I'm always getting rejected. <laughs> You know, <laughs> honest to God, I mean, it's like uh, so. So I my agent submits a uh, proposal to 15 publishers and, and half of them refuse, you know. And uh, but what do I what I do is I ask my agent, I, well, why did they turn that book down? And, and he tells me, and I said, oh, wow. OK, so I go back to the drawing board. I learned from what that publisher has taught me through rejection. And I put that into my book. Maybe I have to create more stories. You know, maybe I have to change the the format uh, or rearrange the content. And I do that and it becomes a better book. And when you get to read my book, you think it's a great book. Absolutely. And, and, and you know what? Well, yeah, but the truth of the matter is I didn't write that book. I rewrote the book and I rewrote it from everything I, I learned from my failure and my setbacks. That's to your point. That's what heart is. Heart is about coming from a softer place, but it's a stronger place. When you come from your head, you can get shattered. You can get blown out of the water. You have a failure and you never try again. You never get up. Mm. You mentioned your next book, The Competitive Buddha. Can you tell us a little bit about it? And I'm curious how Buddha can help us look at competition in a new way. Yeah, you know. You, you're very familiar with my work, uh, Drew, and, and over the years, the last 30, 35 years, I've really uh, became deeply involved with the, uh, the teachings of the Tao, the Chinese philosophy. And many of my books, my bestseller in 13 languages is uh, Thinking Body, Dancing Mind. And uh, it's all about applying Taoist thought, right? So uh, I'm I'm in a stage in my life now where I'm I'm going forward with some new learning and new teaching, and I'm really very uh, fortunate that I can do this. So I've been taking on uh, studying of uh, Buddhist uh, thought, um, the Buddha as it as it applies to the work that I do is primarily with with athletes, but I just use athletics and sports as a as a microcosmic classroom, you know. A, a place where we can learn the deeper lessons of life. 
And, and so I apply the wisdom from this Eastern philosophy, and that's what it is. It's a philosophical way of looking at life. And I, and I apply it uh, to life, really. And, and, and I use sport as a vehicle. So if you're playing a sport, whether in, or you're a runner or a swimmer or a cyclist or, or a basketball athlete or whatever you are, you, you, in your sport, you can apply this wisdom to be better athlete. But you could also apply this wisdom as you become a better athlete to find out more about life, because life sport is a microcosmic classroom for life. Uh, now, all of that said, as a foundation, the book, The Competitive Buddha, right? When you first look at that title, I mean, it's like an oxymoron. You you look yeah. at it and you say, whoa, whoa, hold it there, big guy. What What is this thing about uh a Buddha, you know, sitting there with his legs crossed in deep meditation and talking about peace and harmony and 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 uh, detachment and all these things and all these lessons. Right. So how could we have a Buddha who's competing? Well, uh, that's going to get you to open up the book and find out. But I'm going to tell you ahead of time when you're competing as a Buddha, it's very different than when you're competing when you're not a Buddha. So so the idea of competition, first of all, okay, let me back up a bit, uh, Drew. The Buddha was probably the first student athlete of all time. Hmm. Now, if you're listening to this and you're <laughs> saying, oh my gosh, this, this is true because my research has uncovered that the Buddha was a very competitive athlete and he was a student a student of this philosophy and he would go out. He was like, I mean, he would, or as a wrestler, he was amazing. Uh, he was a, uh, uh, an archer and he would compete with archery. He was a horseman. He would compete with, uh, horse racing and, and tricks and jumping and stuff like that. And he was very good at what he did. And he said, and I can't quote this uh, directly, but he believed, let me put it that way, that everything he had learned about himself and about life in general was the result of his participation in sport. The person that he became, he learned all of these lessons, you know, the lessons of letting go, you know, detachment. The, the idea that nothing lasts forever, uh, the, the lessons of, of compassion, the lessons of selflessness, the lessons of integrity. He learned all these through sport. So, number one, the Buddha is competitive. And number two, he's not competitive like most of the world. And my work is to educate and teach those in the world that you compete in a very different way when you compete like a Buddha. And this gets back to what I was saying about 10 minutes ago, Drew, which is when I compete, no matter what it's for, whether it's trying to get a contract at the publishing house or whether I'm trying to compete in a race, which I did for years, what I want to do is I want I want to use the whole idea of compatiere to seek together. I want to seek my greatness. And this plays into the whole idea of becoming the better version of myself.
myself. When I, when I participate in sport, I learn about me just like the Buddha learned about himself. And then I apply that to life. And I learn these lessons. What do I do when I fail? How do I bounce back? Well, right now in life with this pandemic, we're in this pandemia and, and it's like, it's not going to last forever. Well, guess what? Loss doesn't last forever either. You bounce back and some days you actually win. And, and winning is defined in many different ways, according to the Buddha. It doesn't mean maybe someone puts a medal around your neck. Maybe it was your best absolute best performance for yourself on any given day. And, and so we, we're learning and applying, learning and applying all these lessons to the greater game, the bigger game of life. And so the competitive Buddha shows the way and competition in the Buddhist tradition which is really prominent in many ways. The Buddhist tradition of competition is a much softer but much stronger approach where you and I right now, Drew, we're competing and we don't even call it that. You know, you're trying to you're trying to be the best version of conducting of yourself conducting uh, this podcast. And I'm trying to be the best version of myself as a teacher responding to your penetrating questions. And that's, that's what we're talking about. Beautiful. Jerry, you've said that your mission, your real mission in life is to be the best version of yourself, the best person you can be. And you also say, paraphrasing Gandhi, each day, win the day by being the change you want to see and feel. I absolutely love that idea of win the day. So for someone listening out there, how can they go about winning the day and just becoming a better version of themselves? Yeah. So win the day is the title of my 13th book. And uh, what it is basically is it's a game plan. And if you're not in sport, this book is for you as well, because I have a whole section on just those people out there in life who, who want to win the day. Now, win the day is a, a wonderful concept. Let me just explain it this way. You know, we have two ways to show up every day. We, we show up, you know, in sports to win the game. Uh, we show up at work to win the contract. Uh, these are things that cannot be controlled, Okay. So let me go through this. These are outcomes. When you're focusing on outcomes that you cannot control, there's no outcome that you can control. You can influence it, but you cannot control it. What happens is you get tight, tense, and tentative. And the body, when it's tight and tense and tentative, it cuts off the circulation to the brain. The arterial pathways constrict. You get less blood to your brain, so you don't think as clearly. You also get less blood to the extremities, your legs and your arms and your hands, so you can function and perform at a higher level as well. And then what happens is you start to lose confidence. And once you lose confidence, your performance goes way down. So that's what happens when you show up to win the game, the contract, anything else in life. When you're trying to win a result, win somebody's love, win uh, win the, uh, the the turkey prize or whatever it happens to be, you're going to get tight, tense, and tentative. Now, win the day. 
the beauty of winning the day is you can control this. You cannot control winning the game or your game. You can control winning the day. And it's a choice. It's not something that other people decide for you. It's something that you decide for yourself. Now, I'm glad we're talking about this. You know why? Those of you who are listening to me, I got up this morning and it wasn't the best day, you know, and and so I knew I had this podcast coming, which I was really looking forward to for from the time that that Drew asked me. But the thing is, my day wasn't going like in a nice way. And, and so the idea of winning the day completely turns it around because I'm making a choice. I'm going to make this the best possible day I can make it. And what I can do is control what I can. Now, what can I control? I can control all the little things. When you control the little things, big things happen. There's an old expression in, in, uh, in Buddhism, and it says, uh, from little streams come big rivers. All these little tiny streams merging, 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 and all of a sudden you get this gushing, amazing river, the Colorado River, which lights up cities and, and wears away rock, right? But, but for me, I'm not going to become a river, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to take care of the little things I can control. For instance, uh, I can meditate. Uh, that's part of my daily routine. So I got to make sure that I do my meditation today. Now, I'm not going to go out and exercise because the air quality is so poor. I'm, 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 it's counterproductive. So I'm going to get on my indoor uh, exercise cycle, right? I'm going to ride my bike indoors. I can control that. I can control the food I eat. I can control how I go about anything that involves my work today, one step at a time. I can control I can control my thoughts. I really can. And the meditation is a is a wonderful tool, uh, a skill, I'll even say, that uh, that's learnable. And, and by the way, in the book, Win the Day, I have a whole section on how to how to meditate and how to how to make your day fit skin tight over your spirit. Now, when you take care of the little things, the beauty of it is you can control these little things. When you can control something, it makes you calm, focused. Right. When you're Absolutely. calm and focused. Right. How do you feel? Well, you gain confidence, don't you? We're always confident when we're, we're calm and relaxed. And when you when you gain confidence and you're relaxed, your performance goes up no matter what you do, whether it's in your relationships, whether it's in your sport, no matter what part of your life. So what I'm saying is we have these tools. We have to find that balance. You know, uh, I'll do a gratefulness exercise today and I'll focus I'll, my perception or, or, or emphasis will be on all that I've been given. And I have been given so much in this life. So let me, con let me focus on that as opposed to when I woke up focusing on what I'm lacking or, or what's lacking in my life. And, uh, I'll do a little reading. I'll do some strength training. Uh, I'll make sure I take care of the relationships in my life. You being one Drew and, 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 and be, and when I do all of this, I'll go to bed tonight and I will have become a better version of myself. 
through that process. That's beautiful, Jerry. Beautiful words right there. Um, for anyone listening who is feeling right now a little bit powerless, a little bit hopeless about their life and about their future, if if they were sitting with you right now, Jerry, what might be one thing you could recommend to them to possibly begin to take their life in a new direction? Uh, this is this is not easy. This is not easy to answer because if I were to say one thing and I can, you know, and it would be my bias. The problem is, is that you think that's an answer and and I don't have answers and, and I can't give you the magic key, you know, but I'll tell you this, the more often this is just from my observation and again, if I don't have answers, I certainly have a lot of observation. To me, what we need to think about doing, give up three things. Just try to give up three things today. Give up judging, judging others, judging what happens to you. You know, I, let, let me digress. I have a dear friend who who just lost a very important work situation, and uh, he's devastated, and he's judging it as the worst thing that ever happened. Well, guess what happened? How do we know it's the worst thing? Why judge it? Let's see what happens. This happened a few weeks ago. Within the last week, something came up that he was eligible for that was life-changing, that was exponentially better than what he had been experiencing work-wise. He would not have even seen it had he not lost that other work opportunity. So it gave him an opportunity. So again, uh, danger, opportunity. He, he loses this work situation. Now this one comes along and he's able to jump on it. So I'm going to encourage you all, try to go through a day. And when something happens, just notice it. Call it what it is. Hmm. You know, go, huh, that's interesting. And just don't judge it. Number two is try, try to not control things. When I say control, I'm talking about like outcomes and results because you can't. Or try to control other people, which you can't. Control your life by doing what I'm asking you to do. You can control that. That's fine because it's about you. So again, no judging when a circumstance happens. Like I don't want to judge what this fires, what these fires really mean. I mean, it could be, it could turn out to be one of the best things that ever happened. We don't know yet. And you've always seen this. You've always seen this in life, Drew, where, where crisis uh, presents that opportunity and you say to yourself, gosh, that was really a blessing. You know, the, the cloud has a silver lining kind of philosophy, mm. right? So back up to number one, no judging, no controlling, controlling others or controlling outcomes. And number three, try not try stopping having to be right. I have <laughs> I have an expression that says, do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? <laughs> if you want to be right, I can almost guarantee you you're not going to be happy. <laughs> You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's great. So, uh, 
this is this is like becoming a child. And that's what's so lovely about these philosophies. You know, when I when I think about Native American tradition or the, or the Taoist tradition or the Buddhist tradition, it's all about going back to becoming a child and the, the, the pure mind, the open mind, the mind of the heart. Right. And and so three things. Long way to answer your question. Try not judging as they come up. Try not trying to control others and outcomes. And also just give up for today trying to be right and see what happens. And I think you're going to have a wonderful day. <laughs> Beautiful. Jerry, my <laughs> my final question, I ask this one to everybody. If, if, if Here we go. If you Uh-oh. had the opportunity, Jerry, to travel back in time in a time machine, say 50 years, what words of wisdom, if you were talking to the younger Jerry Lynch, what words of wisdom would your current self share with him? You ask very good questions. <laughs> That's wonderful. Uh, yeah, if I go back 50 years, I know exactly how old I was. That means I'm at least over 50, right? Uh, just be open. Be open, you know? And 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 be be real. Be yourself. Be genuine. Be authentic. And not get caught in the trap of trying to be somebody you're not and uh, be kind, be giving, but most of all, be find ways to be. And uh, back 50 years ago, I was too concerned about doing. And, uh, you know, we're human beings, not human doings. That's a, that's a funny expression, but, but, but it's true. I, you know, just too too concerned about doing this, doing that, instead of being present, being in the moment, and uh, being yourself. Beautiful, Jerry. Thank you so much, my friend. Well, it's it's a pleasure, and uh, hopefully, all you wonderful listeners out there understand that this man, Drew, is 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 amazing and he's doing such great work and uh that's why i took the time today uh to be with you because uh it definitely makes a difference to me in my life and uh, hopefully i in turn make a difference in your life and the lives of all those listeners and uh thank you so much for having me on Thank you for listening to The Drew Perlman Show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In the words of Mark Twain, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, and catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, discover, and stay well, everyone.